Kill Rachel, marry Bam, and, you know, leave room for me to slip in there. And obviously, Kuhn will live luxury on any floor because he was doing that before. And we can live a happy life, and we don't need to climb the tower anymore. So it's a win, 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 win. Bitch dies. We get money. I get Kuhn and Bam. We're good. Throw in Yuri's got to be there in the pool party. So that's what I'm saying. We we need this arc written. SIU, if you're listening to me, (laughs) match me with Kuhn, Bam, and Yuri, and I will love you forever. And the arc is called Wins on Wins on Wins. Also honorable. AOA, that's a triple play. New episodes of Kuhn Wave. Open your mind at the first gate. Press play, no need to debate. AOA, check me out. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages? Welcome back to the AOA show. I'm your host, as always, Ian, along with my boys, Isaiah. Yo, yo, yo. And Gavin. What is Gucci shoes? <laughs> and today we are here to talk about Tower of God episodes 180 to 195 of season two of the webtoon. Yes. If you guys didn't catch our live stream already where we went through these chapters, you definitely want to go check that out. A lot of fun. And we mm-hmm. also posted our thoughts on the blog post that had to do with those chapters as well. So you right. definitely mm-hmm. want to go check those out. Um, but we are here today with some questions from the lovely people in our Discord. Uh, if you guys aren't aware, if you join our Discord, you join our live streams. After the live streams, we have a, um, you know, a little bit where people can ask questions um, or, you know, relay thoughts on what they'd like to hear us talk about within these discussions. Um, and the ones with like the most upvotes, reactions, whatever, uh, we will compile into a list of about seven or eight and then mm-hmm. talk about those. So if yep. you want to have your opinions heard, the best way to do that is to join that community discord, catch us on our live streams and hit us up right after those. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could uh, hear what you want to uh, want us to talk about. So Anyway, we're going to hop right into it. Again, guys, if you like the content, make sure you guys are liking, subscribing, hitting that notification bell, sharing with your friends, and commenting your thoughts down below. What did you think of our discussion? What did you think of the topics at hand? What were your thoughts on these chapters specifically? And what are your thoughts on Tower of God as a whole? If you want to support the show in any which way, you can check our description where we have links to things like our merch store to rep some AOA swag. You can hit us up on Patreon, become a patron to get exclusive benefits to the show. We also have our social media links there as well as our Discord, which I had mentioned before and our Twitch profile as well if you want to throw a follow over there. Um, these are all ways that you could support the channel, and we appreciate every single one of them. But yes. anyway, getting into it, Isaiah has the questions, and I'm going to bounce around in terms of slides to try and correspond to which question is being asked, um, and then we will go into our thoughts about it. Absolutely. So, Isaiah, fire away. What do you got? All right, so the first question <laughs> we have comes from Smile Please. Mm. Uh, he says, so now that we know that White was the 10th Fog Slayer, mm-hmm. and we know that Karaka is the 11th and the newest Fog Slayer, what are your thoughts on that, and what are the other Slayers doing? Mm. Yeah, so, hang on, I'm just reading the question again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> that's the, I wasn't paying a single I was trying to pull the picture, attention. my bad. Uh, now that we know that White is the 10th, uh, well, now that we know that White's the 10th Slayer, and yes. Dark is the 11th, what are your thoughts on that, and what do you think the other Slayers are? Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Um, so, first of all, it's interesting that Karaka is the 11th, which would imply that he is after White, um, being that he is the newest Slayer. Um, and, you know, that implies, obviously, that there's 10 more before White, and it's like, what are they up to? Um, 
I don't know, man. I think they're scattered among parts of the tower right now. Obviously, like there's maybe specific missions and things like that that they're supposed to go on. They maybe have developed their own sections. I do get the feeling that Karaka amongst the 10 Slayers or the 11 Slayers rather is kind of an oddball in the sense that I feel like they all are so powerful that they it's hard to not have people revolve around them and for them to get individual followers. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like there's been you know, this alluded fact that Karaka in particular is someone with like this incredible charisma and like, you know, this faith that surrounds him in particular. And he's able to kind of cultivate this, this following of people um, to see to his needs. And I don't know, and I don't predict personally that every Slayer has that, you know, that air of charisma and, and that like actual section of fug okay. that's broke off split off and following them specifically um that's my prediction i don't think that's a thing mm -hmm. i think that could be seen in someone like white right because i think they have you know the slayer is just indicative of their title because they've been able to become that powerful i don't necessarily think that it, it molds your personality in any way which uh, which mm -hmm. way um like white for instance has his own goals in the sense that he wants to surpass his father right, right. and become yeah, the head yeah. of the family um and just goes around eating souls and stuff and like karaka doesn't seem to be doing that he seems to be kind of lounging on his chair trying to move chess pieces mm -hmm. you know c come out uh, on top um so i don't know i find it interesting and i wonder how old some of the slayers are i mm -hmm. wonder if there's um if there are maybe qualifications to just become Slayer or if they're trying to get Slayers that are potentially more powerful each and every time or if they try and split the Slayers up, you know, based off certain personality traits, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Uh, or if it's like each Slayer literally had failed and now they're at Karaka because it's like we went through 10 of these and like they're just not, they're just not working. I don't mm -hmm. know. I'm, I'm curious to know what your guys' thoughts are. Okay. Um, but I am curious to meet the first Slayer in particular mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. because that, you know, being that that was when the title was created, um, that definitely provides like for some mystery is. around, yeah, you know, yeah. and yeah. like someone that must be very powerful and like, are they still around? Have they died? What, like what, what's the deal with that? So yeah. mm -hmm. uh, I, d I actually think that all the slayers by themselves naturally would have accumulated like some level of a following mm -hmm. just for being a slayer. Because I think the way that slayers are referred to in the story is almost like gods, right? Because sure. These are the people who are coined with the task of killing King Jihad. Mm -hmm. Just not something that anybody can do. Anybody else can do. Um, so I, but I do think there are. We will meet slayers who aren't as into the whole like I'm a, like I want a following and I like they're not. They don't have the heads that of like White and Karaka where it's like yes I am like you know feed my ego you know like I am the shit. Um, I do think there are slayers who are a little bit more like recluse and a little bit more like whatever I'm doing my own thing like don't fuck with me or I'll fuck you up kind of deal. Um, but I do think, like, naturally, through the course of their existence, yeah. they will have accumulated, like... Because, again, I think part of what I always have to, like, remind myself of is the fact that, A, because this world, like, the tower, is so large, like, by extension, we say this all the time, like, Fug, the group, is literally... I mean, it, it, I think I feel like it expands almost throughout the entirety of the tower. And the way Fug is talked about and treated, it's basically like a religion, right? It's not mm -hmm. even a group yeah. anymore. There's so many different sects. There's so many different you know, uh, pseudo groups of it that believe different things and, and mm -hmm. what have you that I could totally see like literally each of the slayers run, like almost running or, or having uh, their own sect of fog backing yeah. them, right? Yeah. And whatever it is they want to do. Or yeah, it makes sense. No, they definitely have the influence. And I agree yeah. with you. That's what I was saying before where it's like regardless if, if they're into it or not, just based off mm -hmm. of their pure power, like it's almost inevitable mm -hmm. 
to get, garner followers, even if they wanted to or not. Yeah. So that that's right. interesting. Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts, Kevin? Yeah, no, for sure. And I guess another thing that kind of ticks the back of my mind is don't forget when Bam was becoming the Slayer or when he was the Slayer nominee and, you know, he was going through that training, one of the big things that they were trying to, I guess, kind of get Bam over was his actual personality and the fact that he's kind to a lot of people and that he isn't very cold-blooded and ruthless and is willing to do dirty deeds. And they said, if you want to become Dunder a cheap. What? Are they done dirt cheap? <laughs> I am so lost. You said he they got him doing dirty deeds. I said, are they done dirt cheap? I'm going <laughs> to... Sorry, it was there. I'm going to beat you so bad, you don't even know. I, well, either way, I guess what I'm going with it is, obviously, they want a change of Bam's mindset. They want it to be more cold-blooded to make, you know, that, so he's able to really hurt people in the case when he needs to. Mm. So in my eyes, I feel like any Slayer nominee before that had to come to that realization that they have to do things that other people aren't willing to just for the fact that they are the Slayer nominee. So in my eyes, I feel like there's nobody who's really going to be on the same plane in terms of personality that Bam is on, you know? And that, to me, kind of makes it feel like they're all going to be arrogant in their own ways and have egos. And even if they didn't start out like that, it's going to then grow in time as they get more followers because, obviously, they're going to think that they're the next hot tamale and, you know, are going to be able to run things because (laughs) they have a butt-ton of people who are like, you are our God, you know? It's like either way, as they further along through their process of being a fug slayer, it's almost like inevitable that they're going to have a bigger ego because they're going to have more of a following. So I'm curious to see if that's wrong and that you do meet like a recluse who is more to himself, doesn't really care about, you know, everything, or maybe at one time did, but then kind of like grew up a little bit and was like, this is kind of just petty. Like, why am I a part of this, you know? But um, yeah, I'm definitely curious to if we even see other nominees or they just alluded to throughout the story, but it's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, for for sure. sure. And and something that, um, and I might, I'm probably going to sound ignorant on this because it might have already been stated, but, you know, slayers Mm -hmm. are people that are supposed to fight jihad, correct? Mm -hmm. These are people nominated strong enough, if I'm not mistaken, to be like, okay, you could be chosen. So I wonder, A, you know, how far back this goes, right? Mm-hmm. There are 11 at this point. And B, if anyone has ever has ever attempted to fight Jihad um, oh, before. Got to the top like, if anyone literally went and tried to fight him. But I, then there's Well, they also said that people did try to fight him, but lost. Like, yeah, they, they or are you saying like specifically um, specifically slayers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh so I'm oh, curious okay. if like he's literally known this is hmm. a thing, like and has fought and killed slayers that have attempted, or if they're like, okay, we're just waiting, or because like it's interesting that they're like, okay, Bam is our chance because he's an irregular, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the the bigger reasoning. Plus, his latent ability is insane. Um, but to you know to have him hop on board, and so assuming that the other slayers are all regulars, it's like, you know. If Slayer, if the if your title of Slayer is you are someone destined to, to kill Jihad or at least attempt it, mm-hmm. if they already know that they're they can't do that, right? Because they're regulars anyway, and Jihad has this contract. Like, I wonder if like Slayer is just like okay, you passed X tests, you're that powerful. Like, you don't necessarily have to go fight Jihad, but you've earned the rank of Slayer. Like, I'm curious to know a little bit more of the lore and oh, okay. and like how that like works if, specifically. If being a Slayer doesn't necessarily mean like you're going to go kill Jihad. Yeah, or like now that there's, you know, like 11 it's Slayers, it's like in. they just keep on accumulating Slayers, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, no one's going to go fight him yet until we get the Storm, but when we do, now we'll make our decision on which of the 11 we want to do. Like, I'm curious as to I how think, that works. I, I think, anyway, that it might just be a thing of, like, 
they've run into all these people who are as regulars, mm-hmm. like are like, oh, wow, you seem really strong. And like, we feel like you have the potential to face jihad given something like a thorn or whatever, or a weapon that can, you know, utilize the power of an irregular. But now that Bam, an actual irregular, nobody since um, Yurek has come in, they're like, oh, well, wait a minute, hold on. We have an actual irregular now. So, okay. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like all the other slayers prior to Bam have been like trial and error, mm-hmm. right? They've just been people who, up, up until that point, they were like, this is the strongest dude we met. And then, you know, through whatever course, whether that Slayer became disillusioned with Fug or what have you, broke away from, like, the mission of mm-hmm. trying to kill Jihad. And then so, like, all right, fuck, we got to recruit somebody else. And then this, you know, tr- uh, trial and error, trial and error, until Bam comes along. And not only is Bam a key here because he's an irregular, meaning, like, he could actually kill Jihad on his own, um, but his sort of, like, weak status at the beginning and his mindset allows to manipulate him the easiest. I think they probably had a, if somebody like White is any indication, probably had a pretty hard time manipulating a lot of the other Slayers because once they got to this power level, they were like, oh, well, fuck, fuck you guys and tell me what to do. Like, I'm yeah. doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. But because of Bam and the way his, his, you know, his nature is, they're like, oh, this is like, this is literally the perfect fucking kid. Like, you know what I mean? So I think that's what it was. Hmm. At least personally. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Nice. What do we got next? All right. So the next question comes from X Guerrera, which is, uh, Albeda says that Bam's desire to save everyone will reach its limits one day, but today is not that day. It's for the first time Bam experiences bloodlust. What do you think SIU tried to show with this arc? We, are, we know already that he's not really afraid to kill off characters. Naya, in the beginning, died with the horrible death. Um, so why did he let Bam save everyone in this arc? Mm-hmm. Which is something interesting because during the live stream, this is something I brought up personally, mm-hmm. um, that I was a little quite frankly, disenfranchised with, um, you know, the, in the sense that this arc in particular, um, seemed to be set up that like someone had to go at this point. Mm-hmm. And I, and you know, I de- and you, you know, you brought up the good point as well. I don't want to mistake that for like inserting a death where one doesn't need to be inserted because mm-hmm. that goes both ways. Right. Um, you know, it's like having a saving grace every time for the sake of having a saving grace is just as bad as killing someone for no reason. Um, but I did feel I, fe- I had a strong feeling that somebody was going to bite it um, this arc because we haven't had, um, which, and I mean, you could count Muntari, I guess, but I meant like from like the main squad, given the stakes. Um, so that was something at first that I was like, I was a little disenfranchised with because, you know, uh, she comes down and, you know, and like saving graces them again. I thought Ark Raptor was going to bite it at that part. And I would, that would have been like a really heartfelt thing if he did. Um, so that was my personal opinion, whether you agree or disagree is irrelevant, really. Um, it, the the really important point here is, is that she says um, your hope of saving everyone will meet its limits someday, which kind of gave me <laughs> in a weird, like, I guess, inverted way, a sense of hope that um, Bam isn't always going to be able to get out of these dec- decisions scot-free um, because quite literally, and I think it's a, a question later on comparing Bam and um and uh rion and i think that's one of the major differences is that and i think we might have talked about this talked about this before is that bam has the ability to you know go above and beyond and quite literally save everyone a lot of the times because he's incredibly strong and he has incredibly strong friends to his aid and there's a lot of chess pieces that are in her you know interwoven in this story in this plot where someone like Rowan in that situation, like there was no other option, right. For her to do that. And we'll get back to more of that. Um, so, you know, Bam, Bam definitely has an ability sometimes to do so. And if he doesn't, he has very strong allies on his side in this case, um, her in this moment. 
Um, but, you know, I, I do like to see consequences for the decisions that are made and, um, you know, not to be given too much of a false impression sometimes that it's like, hey, all you have to do is like, you know, do this every time. Like, okay, I'm going to save everyone. And like, it's, it's going to pan out because by some way or another, like the universe is going to reward you. And definitely the Bama has gotten lucky in the sense that like the towers quite the opposite of that from what we, you know, from what we've been told. Uh, but he seems to be getting out pretty scot-free. I would say all things considered each and every time. So I'm curious um, as to when that is not going to be the case anymore and what the situation is going to be specifically. But I did appreciate that it was, kind of addressed this was something actually in the blog post that we read um that siu specifically addresses and he says like there you know that there's the you know the uh, the um you know who's morally correct who's morally not is bam being naive like there was a lot more things at play here and like i'm fully cognizant of the fact that i made this decision on purpose um so that definitely interests me now i'm like okay why why did everyone get to make it out of this one alive um, but yeah, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Um, I just hope that, you know, we don't, and I don't think this will be the case, especially from this quote, but I don't, I just hope that it's not like, you know, every time we go through, it's like, we're only, you know, losing like no disrespect to Muntari, but like a pretty side character. You know what I mean? Like if it's like, you know, the stakes are this high, you know, you're not always going to be able to save everyone. Bam. Like sometimes you have to make hard calls or like not spend your coins on saving the opponent or whatever. And it's a nice sentiment, but it's like every choice that you make towards something is taking away from something else, no matter what that choice is. Um, and you know, for an example in that spending coins towards saving X person would then give you less coins to work with, you know, for mm -hmm. said next person on your team, et cetera. Um, so I'm curious to see how that plays out and what exactly, you know, the circumstances are when shit does hit the fan at some point. Um, but anyway, those are my thoughts on it. I don't know what you guys have to say. Just um, opinion. So I think that what's interesting to me about this question is like the fact that they bring up, like, what do we think SIU is trying to say with this arc? Um, because like you said, we've been reading, we started reading the blog post recently. And I think those uh, to me, the coolest thing about them is they help put these chapters in perspective, but specifically from his point of view. Right. So it's a lot of like, this is what I'm trying to say, or, or I hope this message gets across um, because I wanted to write X character doing X thing and, and you know, yada, yada. Um, to me, I don't actually mind, like, the way things turned out, and I, I guess I'm not as disenfranchised um, by it because, to me, <clears throat> the way I interpret it, what I believe SIU is trying to say here is that if you sort of, like, remember the parallels between when Bam was dealing with... Uh, Hoquin versus the conversation between Akka and Daniel while this that moment is ha while this moment is happening, um, I was able to draw links and and there's a there's the implication that the reason that people are the way they are in this tower is because like people are so at some point give up and are so much w more willing to sort of let fate take things rather than taking the initiative or making the harder decision to like stick to their guns not give up and do something that they want to do or, or follow through with their tenacity where it's like, as this is going on, as even as difficult as it looks, as Bam continues to be like, no, no, I don't care what anybody's saying. I am saving anybody or I am saving everyone. I'm not letting anybody get sacrificed for this guy. Akka and Daniel start to reflect on their life and their past choices and go, well, you know what? 
like watching this kid try so hard, watching this kid fight through all this level of adversity, like maybe things could have been different with us. Maybe if we had talked to Ronan a little bit more, maybe if we had tried something different, maybe if we didn't just, cause they, you know, there's this moment where they come to terms with the fact that they were scared of dying, right? When Ro- Rowan coupled with the fact that she killed, you know, uh, whoever it was on the train, when she offered to sacrifice herself for the seal, they said they were secretly relieved because they were like, oh, okay, like, you know what I mean? Like somebody would have had to bite the bullet here and she like basically offered, so I don't have to worry about dying. But it's like, the fact of the matter is, they're like, well, what if we had fought for her instead? What if we had been like, no, there's got to be another way around this. There's got to be a way where nobody has to die, where nobody has to give themselves to give up their life. I think, uh, you know, personally, what SIU was trying to say is that the reason that BAM's output here seems so, like, naive, and, and I do think, like, just to clarify, I do think BAM has a very simplistic mindset, and I do think it's interesting, especially with this quote here, uh, this realization that, like, you know, eventually you're going to have to come to terms with the fact that, like, you won't be able to save literally everybody. But I don't think that's meant to be interpreted as there's no point in trying to not to not save everybody. And I think what he's trying to say with, you know, maybe this arc, and but especially this moment here, is that, Bam, like, Bam's output in his, or his outlook seems so odd to everybody because he's the only person who's never going to quit. He's never going to go back on his word. He's never going to pick the easy way out. He's never going to quit when things seem impossible or look too hard. He's always going to try. And again, whether he ends up saving everybody or not, I kind of feel like it's irrelevant because I think, again, personally, that what he's saying here is you don't lose hope. You don't become somebody in the tower when you decide, like, when you get, when you try to save everybody and you fail, but you lose, you lose your humanity when you decide, like, well, I failed, so there's no point in even getting back up. Like, there's no point in trying anymore. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I And to be fair, this isn't the first time anybody's ever told this to Bam. Like, honestly, he's been told by eight different people, like, you're going to have to stop the way that you're thinking to be able to progress to this tower. And I don't think that there's ever going to be a point when he doesn't follow in that stead. Like, uh, I think he will always have the mindset that he does now, and I am curious when it's going to really reach that point when he does start losing people and how he reacts. And in this, like, in this occasion specifically, I feel like, it was. It would have been weird with um, having her come into play if somebody actually did die. Because in my eyes, I feel like if somebody was to die on Bam's watch when he's trying to save them, no matter what, he's losing his. He's losing his head, and he is literally gonna whatever power is stored with him, or whatever you know, really just whatever is around him, he's gonna blow up, and he is gonna be uncontrollable. And in this specific situation, if that happened you wouldn't have been able to introduce a character like her because obviously the only way he was able to overcome Joaquim was by given or shared the power from her. And I feel like that wouldn't have been adaptable if he had lost his lid and would have been uncontrollable because we know that as a base level, Bam, on his own, no matter how crazy he was or is, he's not going to be able to overtake uh, Joaquim in any case scenario so the only way would have been to introduce this character and give him the souls of a literal a billion people to then overtake Joaquim so it's weird because in almost any scenario I do agree with what you're saying and I do like the death of important characters especially when they impact the story in a certain way where it isn't forced but it actually 
adds on like an emotional compound to it that makes you like more invested in it. Even if you lose your favorite character, it makes you appreciate their existence more in the story and the role that they played. And it also allows them to refer back to like refer back to said person later on. And for me, that is the best part of anime and storytelling is when you're able to do that correctly. But in this case, it didn't bother me as much with the risk and reward because of the way that they introduced new characters and the way they flashed back with Rowan. And, you know, for me, they didn't skip out on any emotional beats. They actually hit harder, in my opinion. I was, like, literally depressed that entire episode because of the way that he did actually execute it. And it was in such a way, in my eyes, that I didn't need somebody dead to get that same emotional, like, response. So... I think he did a good job. I wouldn't, I am in agreement with you with moving forward. I don't want to see him get out scot-free every time because that's just not life. It's not reality. And Bam knows that of all people. But again, he's going to stay steadfast in his mindset and his morals, keep on doing his thing. And if he fails, he fails. But, you know, after he loses his lid, it all comes down to self-reflection, getting back up and keep putting that work in. And, you know, he's going to do it, I feel like. And there's not going to be a crumbling point in that mindset, but... We'll have to see until he really does lose somebody important to him and, you know, how that affects him. Does that change his mindset, which I don't think it will, but, you know, it all accumulates over time. And depending how many people he loses, you know, if half his squad gets iced, I don't know. He might have a change his mindset and be like, yo, F this. I'm just out there killing whoever's in my path because I don't want anybody else to die, you know. So you can play with his mindset and especially, like, as he grows, you can adapt it in certain ways. I'm just curious on how SIU takes it, so we'll have to see to find no, out. No, definitely good points. Yeah, I, I, I guess like one of the things that I'm very excited to see in this story is the inevit- hopefully the inevitability of Bam's perspective, um, or you know his his way of conducting himself and his where his morals lie and all that stuff being challenged. Mm-hmm. And what better way to challenge that by having Bam through these actions being like, I'm never going to quit. I'm going to save everyone getting someone important killed. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, I even think there, there is an argument to be made and I'm not saying this is necessarily my stance, but I do think there's a valid argument to be made that there is a bit of selfishness to what Bam is doing in these, um, in these moments. Sometimes um, arc Raptor even says something along the lines of like, why, why did you save me? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like somebody else, like me dying could have prevented somebody else from. Now that statement could be interpreted in a, in a plethora of ways, right? It could have been like, you know, if you're going really deep, I don't think this is what it was, but it's like, you know, maybe this would influence Bam's perspective and the, like through my death, he wouldn't, you know, make the same thing. Or if it's like, if I did, then, you know, he wouldn't have to mm-hmm. spend as many coins or whatever the case might be. But I think sometimes it's like, you know, there, there, there's like a point where it's like, okay, what do you like you can you could attempt it but it's like at what point now are you greatly hurting the odds of saving the people that have been there with you since day one uh and it's not to measure anyone's life necessarily above anyone else since this is a fictional story Mm -hmm. but i like these questions i think i love these questions that present moral dilemmas personally it's some of my favorite talking points and sometimes they could be the the most highly um (laughs) debatable Mm -hmm. um but i think that's what makes it fun personally um you know and i think this is one of them you know so i'm curious to know what the audience thinks on that because i'm I'm like, there's only so many times that the like Deus Ex Machina, Machina could come in, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like this, like, you know, either angelic figure or someone that is like incredibly more powerful or gives, you know, said character a Zenkai boost needed it, it, like to exactly beat, you know what I mean? Said person. And like, there are a couple times within the story that that happens and I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, like disenfranchised or anything, but it's like, like this one here was like one where I was like, 
all right, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I'm not getting as much of a punch here because it's just like, you know, like they definitely set it up and it doesn't come out of nowhere, you know, which might not fit the definition completely. So fair enough. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I just want to see Bam's perspective challenged and flipped on its head in that scenario. Um, so again, I'm curious to see how they do that in the future because I actually think they had a, I don't think it's wrong that they did it the way they did here mm -hmm. and I'm not knocking it, but I think this would have been uh, like an a opportunity. decent opportunity yeah. to do that oh, in the sure. death of Harcraptor right yeah. there um, to to show that and have that perspective flipped, which is just a thought. So I'm curious to hear yours. But anyway, that's enough on my uh, thoughts on it. What do we got next? All right. Uh, the next question comes from Dark North Emperor, a.k.a. our meme lord. Uh, <laughs> it says, the parallels between Bam and Ronin. Neither wanted to sacrifice others, but one sacrificed herself. What are your thoughts? Okay, so yeah, this is kind of relating yeah, back to you, you know the the overall the arching question. Uh, again, I, I think you know there you know not sounding like a broken record here, but there's something to be said about a lot of these characters that have endured this like overwhelming hardship um, have not been in as fortunate of situations as Bam, um, and that's not to discount Bam's outlook on life because even if Bam was you know, relatively, because Bam doesn't know, right? Like we know as viewer mm -hmm. of readers that like, okay, someone's going to come down and probably save Bam the way things are looking, but Bam doesn't know that. So like, you know, it's very commendable the way that Bam acts that he does, regardless of where he is. Um, but some of these characters don't have that luxury in that sense. Um, you know, whether it's their, their, their class or their ability and power or just the fact that they don't have allies rushing to their aid or they're like packed into a corner and it's like we got to make a decision now um so yeah i mean i find it very i find it very commendable that she's willing to um to sacrifice herself here um and it's you know it definitely hits it's very sad um but i don't know i'm curious to hear your guys thoughts on it honestly because i've rambled enough on the whole sacrifice thing so what do you guys got um so i i i don't know it's kind of tough for me because like of course, of course, it's easy to be like, you know, if you're in Bam's shoes, right? I guess like in the sense that like, oh, I have, I have these abilities, right? I have like the power to fight back or I have, the, I have the ability to say no and back up that no with like, you know, X, uh, you know, ability or, or, or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, like you could look at this scenario and be like, well, you know, Rion is actually like more commendable because she doesn't have, she knows she doesn't have the skill to like just beat up or fight away whoever is directly opposing her, but she's willing to give her life in pursuit of X people, um, you know, of, of X people being able to live on, like, you know, without her. But I would, again, sort of coming back to what you were saying with Bam, it's like Bam doesn't know that, like, he's, you know, the thing he's got is, like, so either so OP that it can, like, do this or whatever, or he doesn't know that he's 100% going to get out of this, like, because he has that meta, like, well, I'm the main character. You know what I mean? Every, there's a moment that he has in the chapters we read where uh, Yiwa is, like, talking to him, and she's like, are, hey, are you, like, does this scare you at all? Are you afraid? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid. But that's why we have to go stop Joaquin, like, before he gets whole. And it's like, Bam it is a, a person, just like anybody else in this, like, you know what I mean? He has the same thoughts, he has the same fears, he has the same, uh, you know, resignations that anybody else does. But I almost, like, part of me can't help but just want to, automatically i guess commend bam because it's like in spite of him being afraid in spite of him whether he thinks he's gonna die by risking his life or whether he thinks you know regardless what are his thought he still tries right and this comes back to you know one of the earlier questions we just answered like bam it's not the fact that like it's not what choice bam makes necessarily it's the fact that he is 
you know, persistent in it. It's the fact that he always sticks to his guns and he's not ever willing to give up. In a way, and, and, I, and I personally, I don't know if I agree with this necessarily, but like I could see the argument that Rion being like, you know what, I'm going to throw away my life so that we can just end this, like can be seen as her throwing in the towel, right, or her giving up. When it's like, again, if you think back to the conversation with Akka and Daniel, which I really loved when Bam is fighting with Joaquim, it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, was there another way? Like, did we really think this through? Did we really, uh, did we honestly give it 110%? Or the second she said that she would give up for us, did we just throw in the towel? You know what I mean? But Bam doesn't do that. Bam does not quit. He doesn't quit when things get hard. He doesn't quit when everybody around him tells him no or don't do that. He doesn't, and I don't think he would quit even if he tried something his way and failed. And that's what I find so commendable about something like, you know, about, I guess, a character like Bam versus Rion. And again, not to put any, you know, um, you know, like hate or whatever on Rion, um, because I think, it, you know, it, like that's what I was saying at the beginning. Like, it's so tough, like, because in her situation, like, this was, pr this was like one of the outs, right? This was one of the ways to get out of the scenario. But like, part of me can't help but feel like, if there was more, and, and, you know, I guess this would then come down to, like, Daniel and Boro and, uh, like, everybody else that was involved, right, because it wasn't just Rion, but, like, or Rion, Rion. Um, but I just, there's something about, like, you know, that protagonist fire, man, like, that that thing of, like, I'm not giving up because everybody says that I should. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and I don't think it's, it's like, it's, a um, like, a comparison, like, who's more commendable or not. You no, know, no, like, no, no. and, and then before like, I didn't want to make it seem like I was saying that she has more commendability. You no, know no, no, what no, I mean? no. Like, well, that's that's, a, that's my point. Yeah, is that, like it's it, like you know the question is like oh, like compare the two characters, and I'm saying I think both characters are, are commendable, but like for different reasons. Like Bam's yeah. commendability comes from the fact that he ceases, to, like he does not give up no matter yeah, what. Yeah, I think Bam is willing to to also make that choice if he had to. You know, for sure, to like sacrifice yeah. himself if he had mm -hmm. to. You yeah. know what I mean? And that, and then, and again, and I think that's what it is. Like, at least from my opinion, I think it's like a cut and dry way of saying it is that Bam is generally speaking in a situation where he is not forced to sacrifice himself mm -hmm. and he does more service in living because he could save more lives and do all that kind of stuff. But I think if it was push come, came to shove, uh, I think Coon and Rachel even say it when they're in the submarine and it's like Bam cares about other people more than himself. So he's mm -hmm. going to, you know, and, and there's something to be said, you know, in the moment that we see where he may have had to sacrifice himself. I think he's fully willing and ready to do that. Mm -hmm. I do think, unfortunately, that Rion in her situation is forced into that corner much quicker Mm -hmm. because of the fact that, you know, they don't have this... I mean, like, she's with some pretty powerful people, but again, comparing this to someone like Joaquin in his current state at that moment, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? It was but like there like, isn't, you know... Even the fact that there's external forces through her teammates, right? Like, again, it was... Mm. She was, like, she was willing to give up her life, but nobody stopped her, right? Boro, Aka, th that was, that's the whole, like, conflict here, is mm. that they all, when she said that, were like, all right, cool. Yeah, Let's yeah. Do, you know what I mean? And so, like... When Bam is like, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna sacrifice my life. Like the people that are behind Bam are not saying that. They're like, sure. no, Bam. Like, let's find. An, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So I think mm -hmm. Rion also has it a little bit more unfair because she didn't really have like the, you know, support well, group. Try, yeah. <laughs> or like, yeah. let's try to think this through. You know what I mean? And like, that's that's what. Yeah, yeah. everybody. Yeah, for sure. Gavin, what do you think? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's situational. Like, obviously, Bam has his support group, and you know, uh, honestly, I feel like a lot of it comes with not in a bad way, but with ignorance on his point, because he, uh, I see in a sense, I feel that Rian and Rian making her decision is almost more mature because in my eyes, 
I see her decision as the realistic one. You know, it's my back's against the wall. There's nothing else to do. I'm going to sacrifice myself. And just in that thought process, you know, it's a sign of maturity. And I'm not saying Bam lacks that in a sense, but however, he also is willing to put people in dangerous situations, especially the ones that he's trying to protect, to then almost fill his, you know, agenda or, you know, get to where he wants to go, i.e. a couple chapters ago when we were reading in Saving Rachel. You know, he there there are times where he is, the people that he's willing or wants to protect, he puts them in harm's way with almost like a little bit of ignorance behind it where she had a very good grasp on her situation. And, I mean, to be fair, the entire train was after her because they were all under Joaquin. Like, there was, it's not like there was a get-out-of-jail-free pass where they can open the door and sure. leave. Like, genuinely, if she didn't do that, they were all screwed. And yeah. there was literally no way out of it, you know? And, you know, Bran has, or not Bran, Bam has that, like, protag coon you know backing where you know he has that you know iron armor and he is going to get through those things but at the end of the day that's not to discount him in that he would make those same decisions at the end of the day and would sacrifice himself if he needed to it's just in my eyes there's a weird like i can see the not age discrepancy but like the maturity differences between them because you know i don't find it a side of giving up when she makes that decision i don't think other people should as well it really just comes down to their situation what you can do realistically you yeah. know because she could have banded them together and be like we're all going to take them we're all going to go after you know Joaquim. Yeah. we're going to give it our all yeah. yeah that's commendable too but at the end of the they day they also all could have died that, that's the thing <laughs> and, and the realistic yeah. answer is yeah they were going to die because <laughs> Not only do they got Joaquin, they got all everybody else on the train who is going to come after them. Like, it is impossible unless an angel comes down and saves them. And at the end of the day, are you going to bank, you know, everybody else's life on said angel coming down? And most sane people say no unless they get lucky at the end of it. And in their case, I can see it. For Bam, you know, he's going to give it his all. And he obviously has a support group who are also going to give him his all or give him their all. So that is a plus one in his category. But at the end of the day, he will sacrifice himself if need be. Well, yeah. So do you think, just a devil's advocate a little Mm -hmm. bit, do you think that, like, all of them being like, no, Rian, like, we're not letting you by yourself sacrifice yourself, even if this kills all of us, like, we're sticking to our guns and we're sticking together and all of them dying on that train – is a better outcome than her dying and literally everybody else being so traumatized by that event that their entire lives are stalled and stuck on this train Mm -hmm. until they can, you know, get out of it. Well, my answer is it's, at the end of the day, it's their decision and it's what they have to live with. And obviously they are living with it. They didn't make that decision on that day to back her and fight. That, That what they literally were kind of happy that she made that decision. And at the end of the day, the fact that they didn't back her and die with her is the reason why they're living it to this day. So in my eyes, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just the fact that whatever decision you are going to make, you are either A, going to have to live with it for the rest of your life, or you're dying on that hill. And they chose that they didn't die on that hill. They're going to live with it for the rest of their life. So I don't think it's necessarily a right or wrong in their scenario, because at the end of the day, they're going to pay the price in no matter what way, whether emotionally or physically. Well, mm. so I, I maybe I if I said right or wrong, I apologize. I didn't mean like which of those options is more right or wrong. My point in in asking this is that whichever way you choose, whether you're like, no, Regan, you like do this by yourself or we all do this together. You don't know how like they, in the moment, they don't know how any of those events are going to turn out. So all you have to, to like, all you have to yourself at the end of each of those events is, is you is what choices you made, what decisions you decided to stick with. So if you are like, no, Ryun, like, or Rion. Yeah. Rion. Um, you do, you know, like, go ahead, sacrifice yourself, and this happens, 
I mean, this is the story, right? The whole point is that this decision, like I would argue that none of them were okay with this decision because it traumatizes them so much that they literally can't move on with their mm-hmm. lives because of what happened to her. Whereas like, even if they had stuck with her and either A, all died on the train or B, found some way at least to get off the train, they have the solace that like they stuck together as a group. Like, you know, like it or not in this moment, like I said, they all gave up. They all abandoned Reun to the train. They abandoned her to this decision. They abandoned, nobody decided to fight with her. And so I guess what I was getting at is, do you think that it's better to have to have picked the more realistic option because that's the way that seemed like the only way out or fight even in the face of not knowing what the outcome is, but just the sheer fact that you fought together till the end, like, you know, makes yeah. up for that. So I have an answer for okay. this one, and then if you want to. Uh, I think given the information that we're given, um, I do, I I think it's the, the fairy tale answer to come together and the honorable one, sure, to be like, you know what? No, no man left behind. Doesn't matter. We're going. We're going out, even if it's like without a plan. To be fair, they did jack his spell book, and in said spell book, it gives them a direct line of attack in which to defeat him or separate him in the souls. And unfortunately, in that spell book, it declares soul for soul. You're one. Someone's going to need to die or sacrifice themselves for mm-hmm. this. So there, I guess you can say there's an argument that you don't necessarily know if it's going to work, right? But if your back is up against the wall, the chances of that working out of all the plans that you can have, I would say statistically are much higher than anything else. Now, in terms of them saying I was kind of relieved, um, yeah, that sucks. And I think, you know, in terms of like the group dynamic, um, you know, like I want to, you know, you want to, you want to be like, damn, like what the hell, dude, but. I'm be real, dude. I mean, I don't know. You don't know unless mm-hmm. you're in like, you could say what decision you'd make or you could like preach it. Not saying you're doing this or anyone, but like someone could preach to the high heavens that it's like, yo, you know what I mean? Like we're all going out together, but like say in some crazy world, you're in a situation with five people, you know, and whatever it is and someone, you know, like if you make that decision in that moment is, is to- you don't know. You literally, no one knows that unless they are in that decision. That is when the core of your character will come out. And unfortunately, I would say most people would probably make the Akka um, uh, Boro decision, mm-hmm. Sachi decision, be like, Whew, okay. You know what I mean? Be like, all right, whatever. Um, not making, it doesn't make it right. And I think that that's definitely, um, you know, it definitely sucks that, you know, they had to, they had to go through and sacrifice someone. But, um, at the end of the day, it works. They 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 split him into five people, and mm-hmm. they save countless countless lives. Um, this guy's killed billions of people in his time mm-hmm. reigning. Um, so I think, and it sounds it might it might sound a little cold, um, but I think it's easy for us from an outside perspective sometimes to be like, well, why didn't you go down fighting without you know with whatever doesn't matter what the plan was um, for that one person. Um, you know, but I, you know, looking at a, looking from the outside in, it's, you know, it's easier said than it's easier said than done. And I I think, I think their motivations in the moment, they weren't thinking about the billions of people. They were just like, whew, at least I don't have to die. And again, I think that's not the correct way to go about it. Um, but I guess if this answers the question, maybe I'm looking at it in a different light, um, in the sense that if, you know, if you have to choose what's going on, if I'm like outside, like God hand looking in, like moving chess pieces, you know what I mean? Like it sucks. But I think that, I think that 
she specifically uh, made a very noble and correct choice. Um, but there is really no correct in the situation. I don't know. Let, well, yeah. I think because the other thing is that one, we don't know that like that spell book thing was the end all be all. That was one option. That was one. It was a strong one. They had, but it, it's still one. Sure. It's a strong one, but it's one. Right. But I'm saying you don't think that instead of just stopping at the one and being like, all right, we're doing this bet. Like, we don't discuss well, any I would assume so, so go I'm going to say go it's easy to say that when your life isn't on the line, when you're looking at it through this perspective. And that's why I appreciate her decision in this scenario, because in my eyes, it is cut and dry the most realistic way that this could pan out. And that's not to say it's the right or wrong one. I honestly think that neither of them are necessarily correct in a sense. because, there is no right decision, and, yeah. and that's the thing where, yes, it's noble, and you... You know, stepping back, you could be like, oh, well, this could have been a thing, or it's really just an unknown variable, and you don't know until you try it. However, it's the mere fact of trying it that could literally destroy everything that you're willing to make this cause for, which would be saving all your friends, or, you know, that's that's the cause, she doesn't want anybody to die, so... You know, it, it's weird because, yes, there could have been X, Y, Z variables that maybe could have happened. But are you going to bet your life on it? And are you, am I going to bet my life on it, you know, when that could impact you guys as well? And that's, like, really the thing, and especially in her eyes, where it's like, she probably did think that, hey, maybe we could team up, come together, and come up with an option or an outcome that is the most ideal for everybody. However, if we try it and we fail... Everyone I'm trying to protect is going to die, and that is not an option that I want. And if anything, I would rather be the one to die in place of anybody else if there's an option to. So it's weird. I don't think any of them are right or wrong. In hindsight, I think it's easier to say, yeah, just keep on fighting, trying it out. You don't know until you try and fail. But the thing is, a lot of people are scared of that failure, and I think that it's very realistic to be. And I also think it's important that just because you do band together to try out all variables, there is... Nine, I mean, not nine times out of ten, but I would say, unless you're the protagonist of a story, most of the time, you aren't going to pass. And it's really just, that's what makes someone like Bam so, you know, remarkable in the fact that he is able to overcome these feats. And, you know, somebody is willing to give him a hand, or he has people to back him. But, like, in my eyes, that's more of the fairy tale dream. Like, that's not the realistic, sure. you know choice or option that people have and yeah. i feel like most people on every day-to-day -day basis like that's what they struggle with and it's like the reality of you know you can have all the right answers and all fight together but at the end of the day that doesn't mean that you're always going to pass or succeed or in this case live and you know it's really just figuring out with the realistic outlook what is the best option and in my eyes any variables you throw she Pick the right one. Yeah, I think this reminds me of a, um, a scene in Hunter Hunter for any Hunter Hunter stands out there when uh, Gon is going up to try and get his hunter license and he basically goes up a cobblestone road and a woman comes out and they don't know that this is a test right off the rip um, until she tells him and she says, okay, all you have to do is answer this question correctly. Um, and there's another guy with them and she basically says something along the line, I'm paraphrasing here. She says, you have the choice, you're in some crazy scenario and the choice is you have to either kill your mother or kill your wife. Or, or your spouse, right? Or your girlfriend, rather. That's mm -hmm. what it was, right? She says, okay, what's the right decision? So the one guy hems and haws and gone and his team are chilling. They're next, right, in line. And the guy's basically like, I got it. He's like, it's the wife. You kill the wife. You could always get another wife. You only have one mother in this world, right? And it's like, okay. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I guess. You know, she's like, okay, go up the tower, right? Gone comes up. She says, it's this way, go up. Gon comes up, she asks him the same question, and Gon immediately says, 
neither. There is no correct answer. Like I can't, there is, it, it is physically impossible for me to answer this question correctly because there is no correct answer here. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you got it. So she points him to another path and they go down. They eventually, she, re- they realize that the woman pointed the one guy who answered the first one to a path of death. And cause he got it wrong. Like that was the, tr- it was a trick mm-hmm. question. That was the thing. So I think at the end of the day, this is like a similar scenario, which is like, there is no, there is, when it comes to willingly let somebody die, there is no right there is no, it's not like, you know, any right decision, right? Where it's like, oh, if I save this many people and this many people, um, <clears throat> it's a, it's just a decision. Um, so I think on an individual level, I find a very noble of, of Bam's outlook. I find her outlook very noble. And um, I think that the other characters within her group, Akka, Boro, et cetera, um, you know, are living with that decision because they mm-hmm. did not make what would be the noble decision. Um, but I also think, I guess, for a closing note that at the end of the day, Although in hindsight we could disagree with them, and I th- and I still would, um, but I would hope I would hope that in that situation that maybe I would make the choice to you know what I mean try and try and find another mm-hmm. way out of it which spares her. Um, but to be honest, I don't know that I would make that choice unless I was in it, and nobody really knows sitting at this table or watching right now. So I guess when these situations arise in the webtoon, in the manga, and whatever, it's very easy for people to preach or say that I would have done it differently or why didn't they do this? And I feel like it's not, it's never that simple. So to look at these characters sometimes with like, not to say anybody here didn't, but I'm just saying in general, as a general rule yeah. of thumb. You go online, there's somebody you know, who's- Yeah, own, look yeah. at these characters with like, you know, a little bit of, a little more leniency, you know what I mean? For for these really tough decisions. But anyway, that's that's my closing thought. Um, we have anything else to say or we want to move on to this one? Um, well, the next qu- so the next question uh, is from AK Games Twenty Two. He says, "Final thoughts on Daniel's team's backstory now that we have everything revealed, Rowan, and how Sachi describes the events." Mm. I'm trying to find the slide. I'm sorry. <laughs> if any of you have any thoughts, all right. Will you repeat the question one more time? <clears throat> so, final thoughts on Daniel's back Daniel's team's backstory now that we have everything revealed with Rowan and how Sachi describes said events. Yeah, I mean, for me, for me, it hit hard. I mean, obviously, I would say that now, you know, that whole team is feeling the repercussions of what happened and have been living the repercussions of the decision that was made that day. And it haunts them quite literally. And, you know, rightfully so, like it should haunt them. And although that's kind of a bad thing to say, at the end of the day, it's, you know, they're reflecting on what happened and that it really tears a heartstring and it's I'm glad to see them now where they're at in terms of, you know, not really accepting what has happened, especially with Daniel, but like at least trying to right a little bit of the wrong that happened and that they're moving forward or at least trying to, although they weren't for the path of it. But you know what I mean? Now it looks like they're overcoming it. And, you know, they meet someone like Bam, who is quite literally the best presence to have, especially in the situation that they're in, in terms of helping them get through it, move on and you know, just continuing their storyline. So I already forgot the question if I even answered it properly, <laughs> but that was my thought. Well, I think to scenario. be fair, I think we kind of hit on this. We did, you know, within these past three questions yeah. um, in general. So I don't think you have to go too ham. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you had any thoughts. I'm at a loss um, at the moment. Yeah. Well, I loved this. So part of the reason that I love the story here of Daniel and his team is because I think, again, the whole point of the story is supposed to be about like, what fear can do to a person mm-hmm. and like how it has quite literally crippled. It, it ends up costing them Rowan and crippling everybody else in the team, right? Literally nobody can leave the hell train. Nobody can get over the fact that Rowan dies. Everybody blames themselves individually for Ronin's death. 
And Daniel, because he had a personal connection to Rowan, uh, like albeit not of just them being on a team, um, literally gives up gives up any chance of him living a lo- any sort of like fruitful or successful life in the pursuit of literally getting to remake that choice again, of getting to right the wrong that they committed on this train. And so part of what I love about this is is just that. Again, I think there's a, a, a message here that SIU is trying to say in the fact that he's like, right or wrong is not really like what is the point of the decisions these characters make because at the end of the day, you know, like everything is perspective, right? But if, if the other thing is at the end of the day, nobody knows the outcomes of the decisions they make, right? You don't know what's going to happen when you make a decision. So all you have is the decision you like that you have to live with after you've made said choice, right? Which is the whole point here is the or, or you know, Daniel's team here makes this decision. And for all intents and purposes, I don't think it was the correct one because it literally destroyed not only Ro- Rowan, the whole reason Rowan gave up her life was so that everybody could move on and live. Nobody did that. So in my mind, her sacrifice didn't work, right? Because it literally kept and crippled everybody to basically making them, Daniel has this line uh, a couple like chapters ago, um, it makes them all ghosts of the hell train, right? Like everybody feels like their souls or, you know, are, are basically attached and tethered to this this train because this one moment of trauma is so important and so all-encompassing to all of them that like they can't, they, 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 they can't move on. They can't, you know, get past this or they can't get over it. And so I think one of the things that I love about this, uh, you know, this story about Daniel and his team here is just that, is that, like, no matter how much fear you have about making a decision in the moment, fear should never be the reason you make a decision. It should just be a factor considered in making that decision because I think you could even argue that while noble of Rowan to, you know, to make the decision of I'm going to give up my own life, um, that there was also guilt that played into her making that decision. Remember, she killed a person, and she feels responsible for now putting her, t- her entire team under the, you know, under the scope, so to speak, of uh, of Joaquin and everybody on the train. So if her, I mean, that she even literally says, like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'll give up my life. It's my fault that you guys are in this mess to begin with. Now, that sounds to me more like somebody speaking out of guilt and wanting to right a wrong than, like, more so of, like, I'm doing this because this is the right thing to do, right? And again, that guilt coupled with nobody, everybody else being so afraid to die that nobody questions her or wants to stand with her on this, and we end up with the story that we have, which I think is a beautifully tragic story, but a tragic story nonetheless. So I want to I test that a little bit because one thing that you said was that it's almost like she died in vain because at the, they're going to be so traumatized coming after that. So in, in my eyes, yes, I agree to an extent, but I also feel like there's a point where they're especially at now where it comes with acceptance. Like, yes, it traumatized them and it haunted them for years. However, she's not dying in vain in that sense, because now that they met someone like Bam, they're going to come to the realization to have to accept and reflect on the decisions that they made and thus move forward in life. So, yes, it might have took a couple hundred years in their in their sense, but it's not in vain because they're going to come out of this situation being able to accept what happened and live their life to some sort of degree, not in overwhelmed by fear, guilt, or whatever. And that would then prove what Rowan had died for if it was to save her friends and stuff like that. So what I'm getting at is, yes, it crippled them for X amount of time. And yes, it should. However, they are... What? Nothing, sorry. Oh, Um, (laughs) but I don't think that it's... 
I, I don't think that it was in vain in which she died and that they are going to overcome it in the future and that it's just, it, it comes with the growing pains of that decision. And I don't think it is wrong that she made it because at the end of the day, they're going to accept what happened, even though it took so much time. And now they're starting to accept it and are going to be able to live their lives, maybe not the most normal as can be, but it's going to be that next step forward, that next chapter that they're able to live because of said sacrifice. And I think that it was more or less the point of what happened. Yes, it took time, but I don't think it was in vain. And from their suffering, I feel like something is going to bloom and blossom. And it's going to be worth possibly her sacrifice at the end of the day. I don't think it was a lost cause and that it was in nothing. I really do think that something is going to grow from it positively from everybody who was affected by it. So, so that's my thought. What I was getting at with the Rowan's decision being in vain is that Rowan didn't make the decision to give up her life because she was like, I'm going to give up my life. And then in however many X years, you guys are going to meet a kid named Bam and he's going to help you guys move on and get through this. That wasn't the point. She made the decision so that after that, that moment, they would start, they, they could get off the train and they could go live a different life. So if they don't do that, and not only don't do that, but never leave the hell train, and one of them even goes so far as to then team up with the person who caused all this, I would argue that, yes, eventually, after they meet Bam, they learn through Bam's, you know, uh, tenacity that, like, maybe they shouldn't have given up, and they learn to heal and learn to move on. But that was not Rowan who did that, right? Rowan giving up her life was the catalyst for all of them doing all of the, you know, the bad things that they did. Bam, it was Bam in, his, in that whole altercation that changed everybody's way of thinking of being like, you know what, we, we need to look at, we, we, need to, we literally need to look at this differently because the way that we took Rowan's death was not right because it caused all of us to do what we did instead of just moving on and going past the hell train and all these events. Yeah, but I don't think it matters. I think, I think, um, I think there's something to be said about a cliche thing here, but um, rings true that, you know, you aren't your circumstances, you're what you are what you make of them type thing, right? So, like, I think her death, although maybe not perceived in the way that she might have wanted to um, have them have perceived it, at least at first, um, in so much as letting them live, gives the, them the ability to make something out of that. It gives them the choice. Whereas they didn't, if they're just dead, um, like quite literally dead, they don't have a choice to play in any of that. So it can suck sometimes that it's like maybe somebody lays down or makes a big sacrifice for somebody else, right? And it's like, I don't know, maybe someone works like their whole life to provide their kid with like enough funds for like a, like a college education and it's like they go, you know, they go doing that in hopes that their child will not, you know, like squander that that opportunity, whatever. And then, you know, push comes to shove and they do it. And then the child goes into college and, you know, like screws around and doesn't do things that would have been great um, for all the money and the hard work that was done. And so there could be an argument that's, you know, that says, hey, like, was it really even worth it um, that said person worked their ass off to try and put their kid through through college if they just squandered it? And I think there's a valid argument for maybe no. Right. Although maybe a pessimistic one. Um, but I think the uh, I think the more important thing is that given that, you know, hypothetical there, that kid now had the opportunity to just go to college. Right. Like in the meantime, like to actually be able to get that education, to make a choice actively 
um, to do something with that opportunity. Whereas if they, you know, if the, the father and mother didn't work their ass off to be able to provide that opportunity for that child when they came of age, then there is no, there is no choice to even be made because they didn't even, they weren't even put, they weren't even given the opportunity to begin with. So I think, you know, maybe not the best example, but it's the best one I could think of on the well, fly. No, I, I, yeah, I can um, see where you're coming from. Um, you know, relating it back to the story now in Tower of God, I don't think her death is in vain. I know you don't mean that like in the in the full, full sense um, based off what you just said. Um, but I but I think the important thing, at least in my eyes, is the fact that, you know, what they do with her sacrifice is on them. Um, but the, the fact is, is that they have a choice now to keep on living, to to be, you know, sheltered on the hell train, which they did for, ex, you know, God knows how long. And if it wasn't for Bam, who knows how many more years before maybe somebody did whatever. Um, maybe there's Daniel, which is like totally, I think, one of the worst decisions trying to revive the very thing that she died for. Right. Mm -hmm. And doing that, which is like, dude, you're just robbing her of all her agency at this point. Um, you know, and all those kind of things like they, did, they maybe didn't make the best decisions. But the fact is, is that they had a decision to make um, and they wouldn't have had that decision to make if it wasn't for her sacrifice. So that's how I say it personally. Um, uh, I don't know. I completely disagree personally, but fair enough. I think we can just <laughs> yeah. agree to disagree. Yeah, and that and that's what makes this show cool because we all have different opinions. You yeah. know, whether I agree with Ian or Ian doesn't, or I don't agree with Ian. Like that is what makes this show this show. At the end of the day, and we're not. None of us are right. We're wrong. Like <laughs> quite literally, it's all up to interpretation. And like that's what makes this such a great story is that we are willing to sit down and even if we don't agree. Just having this conversation in this whole moral dilemma about the whole situation is what makes it awesome and cool. And the fact that we can reach out to any of you guys and you can literally just hop in our Discord and talk to us and we can have these same conversations. Like, that yeah. is just what makes this story so special and just, like, this whole avenue and outlet of storytelling special. For sure. And be sure, obviously, to let us know your thoughts on each, especially these hot-button topics where yeah. it's like maybe we have a straight-up disagreement and we're like, we're going to have to agree disagree. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, that's where it's nice to hear your guys' thoughts. Um, on on what you think, right? Where it's like, okay, is this justified? Is this not? What would I do in this situation? Mm -hmm. Do am I just saying I do this in this situation? Whatever the the case might be, it's it's always nice to hear your thoughts. The conversation involves all of you. But anyway, moving on to the next yes. question. Anyway, the next question is from Anne two thousand five. She says, "Thank you, Anne. Any thoughts on Ari Han and his advice to Ho Quinn to return as a demon? Do you think that the other family leaders will have a similar mindset?" Mm. Yeah, this one's interesting. Um, and interesting that he specifically said return as a demon. And it's like, did you mean that quite literally? <laughs> like get a spell book and make a contract with a demon? Or did you like, were you just using demon as a figure of speech? Which seems like a silly thing to ask, but I'm dead serious. Like, I wonder if he literally was no, like, you need valid, to become yeah. a literal demon yeah. or, you know, or just using to if he's an actual demon as well. And he's like, you literally can't reach this form of power unless you make a pack with someone to get said power. Yeah, because yeah. He's probably like, I did it. I've been around this rodeo. <laughs> and until you're back here and you can literally like, match that power <laughs> you're you're gonna have to make a pact with someone yeah. because you're just not cutting the dice like, yeah yeah i i do appreciate for as much of a dick as his father is <laughs> um that he gave him an alternative you know what i mean he's like <laughs> oh no son pats him on the head he's like you're actually gonna be a midget for the rest of your life and you're never gonna uh compare to me in terms of power level you're actually gonna get sucked up into that sword that i used to beat people's asses um so don't even think about it but he's like but if you're genuinely serious and you know i'll give it to you you just got to become a demon and you could and you know what it's like Fair enough, Dad. Nice you know, 
it's like fair enough you know what i mean it's like he's definitely a dick and he gave it to him straight but he gave it to him straight um so he's like all right what's my choice to get absorbed into the sword or become a demon and joaquin made his decision um so yeah it's definitely interesting uh i don't think that i mean it's not it's obvious that it's right in any way shape, of or course form, oh, yeah, what's yeah, this yeah, father, yeah, yeah. i'm uh, just playing no, games when said, i said uh like blunt or not and i think what's interesting though is that you know cruel or, or uncruel, um, I do think this is how a lot of the upper families and the t- or the ten great families yep. um, operate in terms mm. of, like, their structure, where, again, we know that Jihad came in here with the OG, or, you know, the, the uh, people who are now the heads of the families a- at the very beginning. So we know that the people who are the heads now have been the heads for, li- like, forever. And so they're probably not people who are super keen and cool on the whole, like, you know what? I hope one day my son or daughter grows up and surpasses me. They're like, the fuck with that shit. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> yeah. and I don't want anybody touching his power because this shit is dope and I want it forever. <laughs> and so the structure is probably very much like a King of the Hill situation where it's like, all right, you want this? You're going to have to kill me for it and I will try to kill you. And it's like, you know, you don't grow up. If you are some, I mean, you know, look no further than Kuhn or even somebody like Iwa who we learned about recently where it's like, you don't grow up in these families where it's like, oh, don't worry, son. Like one day, you know, it's like, hey, when you're old enough to swing a sword, you better swing that shit at me like you mean it because if not, I'm taking your head off. And it's like, that's it. Yeah. That's it. It's like you learn skills to survive or ways to to operate and be useful or you don't, or you're not useful. Therefore, yeah. you don't like, like. and yeah. so I, I do think this is, you know, unfortunately with the way Jihad has, uh, you know, built this this great system here, um, the way that, that they see it, you know? And yeah. so whether, you know, and in a world like Tower of God where like actual demons exist, I don't know if the phrase, like, you'll have to become a demon, you know, does insinuate that, like, no, like, go find the nearest demon and, like, <laughs> make a pack with him and then come back here and we'll try this shit again. Or if it's, like, you're going to have to become a demon, yeah. as in, like, somebody who's willing to do whatever it takes sure. to get mm-hmm. rid of me. Um, I said, you know, I like, I guess, like, tomato, tomato, no matter which way you splice it, like, you're getting at the same thing here. But, I, yeah, I do think that it's interesting that, that, that that's the altercation he has with his father. I mean, we know or have known at least for a while now that the way... Uh, Joaquin talks about his dad is that they're not <laughs> on mm-hmm. good terms or, or, you know, there's nothing pleasant going on in that relationship. But I do think, uh, unfortunately, that it is par for the course when we're talking about the 10 great families and and specifically ones as uh, high up in the chain as the Airy family, the Ha family, and the Kuhn family. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it, it's crazy when you think about, it's like Jihad almost like wanted this in a sense, or at least he at least allows like any head of the family to literally it, it's the build bear of families. If you don't like what you have, you could just go, okay, I can buy whatever I want. I could buy the next one. You know, if there's a power that exists, that is available, I can literally just achieve it and get it. And it doesn't matter who I have below me. Like family is irrelevant because it's a society based on power. And if I have money, I can buy power. And if I can't breed it, I don't care. I can just buy what I want. Like, it's irrelevant. If you're not going to, like, if you're not going to provide me with anything of use, i.e. power, which is only of use in this tower, I'll just buy it or, you know, just finagle a way to get another one and you're irrelevant otherwise. Like, and it's, it's just, like, kind of cool looking into that structure because, like, I would say most people don't live that kind of life, especially <laughs> like in their family life. And I mean, I'm sure maybe somewhere people do and it, that would suck. I am sorry for you. But like, it's just crazy seeing a world developed around that thought and ideology where family life doesn't matter. It's just power. And like whoever has that power is who is going to get that respect. Mm. And that a family or a father figure yeah. could literally just be like, no, you're irrelevant. You bring nothing to the table. I could just 
you you mean nothing to me. And yeah. like that's all that matters. It's oh, like crazy. Sure. And like you see it impact said kids because they grow up kind of messed up in the head. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, they don't have any family figure who shows them love or appreciation or actual care. So yeah, yeah they're gonna be a little messed up like Joaquin. I, yeah. I can kind of see why he's messed up because look at his dad. Like yeah. you know, and it and it's cool because that justifies at least in some sense, where their mindsets are at, even if you don't agree with them, like I'm yeah. not gonna agree well, it gives with Joaquin. A reason as to why it gives yeah, a reason, yeah. Like, and though. it's one that isn't just you know out of my left cheek. Like yeah. you can see it <laughs> and be like, wow, that makes sense because look what he came from. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, it For puts sure. two to two together and helps you move along with the story and flow better. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. This is a war for status and yeah. and to retain that status and power. And these family heads can literally pop out a, ki a kid whenever the hell they want. Um, so it's it's really irrelevant. It's like a, you know, like, is it even co a commodity at this point? It's yeah. like, it's literally just for them to, like, move pieces into play, get more princesses on the squad, appease uh, Jihad, look good within the eyes of all the other people, compete with the other ten families for more prestige and notoriety. Um, yeah, that's really all it is. And that's, I would assume that, um, that, these other 10 families are, are similar. I mean, you know, there's probably slight differences uh, within each of them and their personalities, but I mean, no family head has changed that I'm aware of. So, you know what I mean? Like clearly they're all in the business of keeping their title here um, when you have the ability to do so, you know, it's like human beings on our level, you know, relating to that, like know that there's a finite amount of time. So we know that no matter no matter what you do, you know, mm -hmm. if you ascend to the highest ranks of power, there will be a time, there will be a day that comes, like, you're reckoning. You know, there will be, you will meet that day eventually. No. So it's like, you know, you have to, you have to, at that point, if you're having children or whatever, like, pass those things on to the next generation and, you know, whatever, if you're trying to keep in the family. But these guys literally don't have to. They could just be the one and the only for as long as they can, um, unless somebody usurps that that throne. So, Amen. Wow. Amen. <laughs> All right, moral of the story, right. beat your kids and you're like, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. There goes our monetization. <laughs> <laughs> yep, good job, Gavin. Yeah. Hey, if you want power, what are you going to do? No, oh, wrong slide. Uh, so the next question is from Yov, and he says, thoughts on how are you telling the group before they went into the train that people will die and Bam trying his best not to let that happen. So, I know we touched on this a little bit in one of the earlier questions when we talked about sort of Bam's philosophy. Yeah. Um, and the, um, forgetting her name, but the, you know, the new, the last clone that was introduced. Yeah, Al um, Alberta or something. Yeah, <laughs> whatever it is. Alabama. This Alabama. 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 Yeah, I think it's Al uh, yeah, Aldea or Al something. Al yeah. Anyway, Al whatever her name is. Um, you know, we, we, we sort of touched on that already with this idea that, like, you know, whether it's how are you and whether it's her, whether it's Kuhn, whether it's, you know, uh, to be honest, man, like grab X tower God character that's been doing this shit for a minute and insert them in there trying to tell Bam that like, look, man, at, at some point, like shit is going to hit the fan. And I guess you could make the argument of like, depending on which character we're talking about, whether they're coming at Bam this way from from a perspective of like, look, at some point, like somebody's going to die. So it's fruitless to try and do you know go with this endeavor of trying to save everybody because eventually it's not going to work so like why even put in the effort um or if they're coming at him from the effort uh, i mean the, uh, the idea of like look fam at some point somebody's gonna die and i need you to be ready for that like i need you to not be so shaken up that when mm -hmm. that happens you know like in some sort of like weird roundabout way uh it's act like it's it's care right it's like concern for bam they don't want him 
trying out of this noble effort to save everybody. And when he fails, they don't want that failure to be so crippling that it like mm-hmm. destroys and breaks this ironclad will that he seems to have, which I personally think is is uh, ironic, I guess, because I think it's Bam's ironclad will to begin with, which is the reason he wouldn't ever have to worry about that. Because I think personally that no, no matter if he like failed or not, as in somebody dies in his watch, he wouldn't just like throw in the towel and give up. But yeah. regardless, again, these are, these characters don't know that, right? They don't mm-hmm. know Bam, you know, at all. Um, so I think it, I think with Ryun, it's a little bit more of that because I do, I definitely get like this, she cares for Bam and like everything that she's doing, whether it is like for the, you know, for the tower, you know, because she's a guide, because she wants everybody in, and Bam included to be on this path um, and, or because she wants to hot dead. Like regardless, I do think that there is genuine care for Bam in, in Ryun's actions. And I do think this mindset, at least again from her, I think it's, it's, different when we're talking about other characters but from reune specifically is more of like look bam at some point this this train you're running here, <laughs> no pun intended this train you're running here um somebody's gonna die on your watch but i need but i need to know that like you've either you know seen it happen before or you've come to terms with that kind of decision mm-hmm. so that when it happens you don't fall and crumble and it doesn't become the thing that turns you into someone like jihad Mm. Yeah, yeah. And definitely that preparation is important. And I feel like, again, uh, it's just echoing everything that you said is completely correct. And I really feel like with what you said before is when somebody, what's important about when a character dies, especially in Bam's case, is I feel like it's going to stoke the fire in what he fights for. And that he's not, yes, he might be depressed a little bit initially, and he's definitely going to go crazy and psycho. But coming after that, I feel like it is going to really solidify him in that, wow, this sucked. Someone, X person died. I'm going to now work eight times harder to then prevent that from happening again. And that's why I feel like it's going to, it has to be so important when SIU does decide when somebody is dying because it has to be at a critical point when Bam needs his Zenkai boost in a sense. Because I feel like that at the end of the day, you can give him so much crap. Like, he's already got a thorn. Like, you can't really just keep on throwing random items at him to then give him his power-ups. Like, eventually it's going to come down to just the raw emotions of everything that happened to him. And there, in my eyes, I I would make an argument that there isn't no greater emotion that can be invoked from a person than having somebody around him that he cares about dies, especially with just the way his character is built. So I'm curious on when said person is going to die, and is it... I feel like it has to be at a point where he needs that power up to then overcome said enemy. Mm. So I'm just curious when that happens, who that person is and who dies and how that affects Bam. But like Isaiah said, it's not, if anything, it's going to be for a positive as very late in the outcome. Cause it's going to come with craze. It's going to come with probably a little bit of depression and, you know, self-hatred for letting that happen. But eventually it's going to, you know, really culminate into something positive for him in terms of moving forward, getting stronger, to then help other people around him and prevent that same thing from happening. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to see when it occurs, but for sure, who knows? Yeah. You guys basically hit every point on that. So we could probably go to the, to the next one. I don't really right. have too many thoughts. On to the um, next so this one. next question is from uh, Lupitai. Sorry if that's mispronounced. Um, what do you guys think of what Rachel hinted out about Bam's past? How much do you guys think she knows? So referring to when she was just about to leave Kuhn to get blasted by acid, and she says something along the lines of, we're going to, next time we meet, it'll be on the floor of death, um, where Bam's thorn was first found. Um, even I'm curious to learn about where Bam really comes from, mm-hmm. um, which, I th- which I definitely think hints that she knows more about Bam's past than Bam does, but I don't believe it's a lot more. 
Um, and I, I, to be honest, I don't even know how much she knows is the truth because I kind of have this weird head canon that like Fug has gotten into Rachel's head with that stuff and they've been like, oh, this is Bam. This is where like we believe Bam comes from or this is where we know Bam to be from. But like, no is a relative term. You know what I mean? Um, because one, I, I kind of feel like it's just in Rachel's character to always like want to feel like she has some information she could lord over somebody's head. Um, I mean, just just getting to that knowledge is like something that's so vital to Kuhn that he like kind of is almost willing to throw himself into his, his feelings about it um, and risk what seemed to be a pretty like one-sided, like I'm going to slap Rachel's face repeatedly throughout the, the, the course of this game. Um, but you know what I mean? Just the, the fact when they're doing the coin toss, for example, that Rachel brings up like, oh, and I'll throw in, uh, you know, some knowledge about Bam's past. And Kuhn's like, all right, yeah, bet. What? And it's like, whoa, whoa, Kuhn, hold on. We had a short thing here. Like, well, you know, so I think, Part of me can't help but feel like it's just in Rachel's sneaky nature to like want to feel like she's got some, you know, but I, I guess what I'm getting at is I definitely feel like she knows more. Of, she either knows more or she knows where to find this information about Bam's past um, and knows more about it, obviously, than Bam does. Although I don't know how fair of a comparison that is because Bam doesn't know shit. Um, but I, I feel like whatever she knows is definitely like you know, misconstrued or, or, you mm -hmm. know, a grain of salt kind of deal where it's like not a hundred percent the real story. Mm. Okay. Um, well for me, I'm, I've kind of been the same that I've alluded to way back when. And that in my head canon is that at the end of the day, she moved that boulder that was covering, you know, or she was the one who ultimately came to bam to get him out of that hole. You know, like she knew he was there in some way, shape or form. And, I don't feel like it was just a matter of her stumbling across him. I really do feel like that someone put him there for a reason. And with that, I feel like even way back when Rachel was maybe manipulated with the fact where, you know, she's had her desires and dreams from the start. I don't think it was anything new after meeting Bam. I feel like in some way, shape or form, she's wanted to feel special, see the stars, whatever, or gain access into the tower because she obviously had knowledge of its existence. So with that, I almost feel like someone, whether was from Fug or just from in that area where she lived outside of the tower, pretty much was like, hey, this entity or person of a great force lives or, you know, resides or was held in this spot that nobody knows about. And it was almost like it was it was set in stone that she was almost manipulated in the fact to find him to then get him into the tower. And then with that, it just happens that she was used in a sense to get her to her desires in a weird way. Like I just feel like from the beginning of Rachel meeting Bam, that she was told of a presence who was there. And that is like what she knows in terms of information of Bam's past is that X person told me that this entity lived in this area underneath the earth for X amount of time. This is his purpose and why he was kept there. Like, I feel like it's more if she knows backstory, it is why he was put in that place to begin with, or at least somebody else telling her. So it might not be true in a sense, but I feel like that would be the past history. If I'm explaining that correctly, I'm like thinking of it in my head a different way than what I'm explaining it. But I feel like she knows why he might, might've been put there, whether it's her answer is the right one is to be determined, but in some way, shape, or form, she was told to go there from said person, and it was given a reason to go there in terms of achieving her goal at the end of it, whether he was some power, some force, or what. And, like, that is the backstory that she knows. Mm. Um, yes. Yeah, I think uh, I think I agree in, in some terms that I think somebody's telling her, hey, 
do this, you know, with, with thing down there. Like, that's mm-hmm. all you need to know. Do it. You know, like, it's not like you don't ask me questions here or you don't ask us questions. You just go down there, you know, kid needs a friend <laughs> or whatever the case mm-hmm. is, or like do this, monitor him, yeah. whatever. Um, something I don't, cause the reason I think that is because we have the scenes where it's like, she'll go back upstairs and he's like, Hey, wait, where are you going? You know what I mean? She's like, I'll be back tomorrow or whatever. You know what I mean? She like kind of keeps him in there type thing where it's like, I definitely don't think that she just stumbled upon him, like walking down the street. Well, that would mean that she wouldn't want him to leave though. You know, if you had said power, like, you know, she wouldn't just let him come out. Wait, what were you saying? Wait. What? Oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm literally just saying that I think that, um, somebody is telling Rachel, Mm -hmm. Um, go do this, like befriend X kid, do what we say, like whatever. And that's why she, when she comes back out, like, I don't think she just ran into Bam coincidentally. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I yeah. think if she ran into Bam coincidentally, there wouldn't be a reason that she like keeps him locked up. Exactly. There. Because that's, yeah, she okay. doesn't know. I don't think she's fully cognizant of his full ability or she wouldn't be if she just stumbled upon him because mm-hmm. Bam, by all intents and purposes, comes off as weak. Yeah. So like, you know, until he isn't. So, you know, if she just stumbled across him, I think it'd just be too coincidental. It doesn't make sense as to why she would keep him down there mm-hmm. when like the night's over or whatever, um, you know, or that she cared. So I think that there is another whatever organization person group um, that is basically telling her, Hey, like go do X thing, like monitor him, yeah. whatever. Um, that's my theory yeah, in terms of who only, or what it is. I don't know. You know, my only contention in that same thought that I brought out <laughs> is that? why when bam, like obviously when she gets like taken into the tower, it was by accident mm. because they were really going for bam. Yeah. So it's like, if her goal is to get into the tower and reach the top, mm. well, like utilizing Bam in a sense wouldn't be a surefire way of getting to where she needed to be because by all means she got there by accident, you know, like it wasn't a part of any set plan that would happen to benefit her. Mm. So like, it kind of makes me like almost contradict myself in those own reasons. I wonder if it's it's, um, weird. I wonder if it was like, you know, she's doing said thing for X person based Mm. off this theory, you know, but she just had goals and aspirations of herself. Oh, so like they were manipulating her in that sense, but the real goal was to actually get bam in the tower. And she just happened to be like, or just not even thinking that hard into it. Like literally like, and again, I have no clue, but just Mm. like, she's doing X task for whoever. And like, She's doing her nine to five, hang out with this kid. And she's like, well, I actually have some goals and dreams and aspirations myself. And like, Mm -hmm. I want to get to the top of this tower because this kind of sucks. Just playing with a 10 year old in dirt all day, you know, and I don't want to do that. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I I was very simplistic thought, but I don't really know. I don't, I don't think I just, I just genuinely don't have enough knowledge yet on this to give like an actually educated opinion here. Like their, their story, Bam and Rachel specifically and intertwined is just so shrouded in mystery that all I could do is just blindfold, throw darts at a board. You know what I mean? And like maybe something sticks. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's definitely, I personally think it's a little bit more random um, because I don't, because then to me, the narrative that like she's secretly been working with FUG or some organization this whole time doesn't, track because it's like well then where the fuck have these people been and if they're not like if they're like only reaching out to her once in a while or only like you know giving her these odd tasks and like not it's like this organization whatever i feel like a it would have been hinted at in in many other like times in the story that we've seen rachel and it feels weird that if they're this disconnected or this uh hands off with her um like why she is afraid or why she feels she has to listen to them at all. Because when we meet her at the beginning of the story, she's kind of already pretty desperate to do like whatever it takes to go up the tower. And Hedon is kind of the one who's like, 
oh, okay, I'll help you get up the tower. You're going to do some super shady shit, but, like, you'll be able to go up. And so that, to me, is the moment that feels like that's where she makes the decision to be like, all right, from here on out, I'm going to do whatever, like, whatever, whoever tells me what I have to do to get up the tower. But I do think, personally, anyway, that the whole BAM thing was is supposed to be, like, the one person that should not have stumbled onto someone like Bam did, and like that altercation, because I think there's supposed to be an irony in the fact that Rachel essentially raised her worst enemy, um, and so yeah. But but I, I that's that's what I think. Anyway. Mm, yeah, mm. that's all we could do <laughs> is just you know have like a quick theorize on that. Well, we are all right. So we had one more yeah. question, right? Uh, one more question from Dark North Emperor again. He says. Does Kuhn display reckless confidence? Is this warranted or not? And do you think it'll come back to haunt him? Yes. <laughs> I think that's like almost like a unanimous Yeah, yes. like the short answer, <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, we, I personally, and I know we talk about it just in general a lot, whenever it comes up, then I'm like, Kuhn, you know what I mean? I'm like, I feel like, you know, whatever, you might be rubbing it in a little too hard. Um, and I, and I do think that Kuhn is, is a little cocky for sure, but I think that's part of his charm. Um, and he definitely has a lot, he definitely has the brains to back it up. So fair enough, but that doesn't, you know, discount the fact that he is slightly cocky, which is fine, whatever. But, um, I do think that he has a, a pretty big, uh, big sense of confidence when it comes to, you know, Rachel right now, he definitely thinks that he's got his thumb on her head. And when he feels like letting her up to breathe out of the pool is when, you know, she's going to breathe. <laughs> um, and besides that, he's just going to put his thumb down and that's it. Um, so he definitely is, you know, challenging her in these games and he's like, you're not winning, like whatever the case is. And he's not dumb. So he clearly sets them up. So it's like, she, you know, has a lower chance of winning or whatever. But this last one too was, you know, even though he skews the odds in his favor, um, by 33%, which, you know, is a hefty amount. So he definitely is favored to win. He was he didn't fully cheat the game. So there actually was a crazy chance that like, it was, less likely, but that he does lose that game, which it's like, that's a lot to gamble on with someone that you know that you should easily be able to like shit stomp in any one of these scenarios. Um, so I do think that game specifically definitely puts the nail, last nail in the coffin for me being like, okay, yeah, you're definitely being a little cocky if you're willing to do that. And I get that it's driving a point home, but being coon is coon. It seems interesting. I think even Rion makes a comment about it that it's like, hmm, this is coming from, that's interesting. And like, she just will sit back and let him do it. Cause she's like, whatever. Um, and you hear the more vocalized, you know, um, uh, opinions from rack <laughs> who is just like, are you an idiot? Like, are you, you know, which is hilarious, but, uh, but yeah, you know, and like, but there is the, the, the thing to be said where it's like Kuhn is searching, you know, he's searching for answers, um, for sure. And he has like his own motives and there might be something where it's like, he's now decided to, I guess the argument can be pervade that like he's deciding to keep Rachel alive mm -hmm. to kind of you to like, you know, follow her in this quest of like, okay, well, she clearly knows a little more about Bam than I do. Um, and even though she's got to go at some point, like she might be able to lead me to understanding who Bam is. There might be something like that going on. Um, but I definitely think, eh, you know, that like one of these times, I have a bad feeling that Rachel's gonna pull out a win. And and that's what scares me, whether it's completely by luck, which you could argue like that was her chance by luck, but like by some weird circumstance, like because Kuhn, for as amazing and brilliant as he is, is not perfect. Um, so at least his like his mental capacity, nobody is. So like he's going to he is a human or whatever. Um, like he's going to mess up at some one time or another, like there's gonna be something. At least my prediction. And, um, you know, whether Rachel stumbles into that victory or not, 
Like, all Rachel has to do is win once, and she's probably not going to show Coon the same amount of mercy that she sh- that he showed her, whether it's a toy with her or not. Um, so it scares me. I think he's being, you know, I think he just needs to, he just needs to dial it back now. Like, you did, you did what you did, but it's like, all right, bro, like, you got the chance to smite this chick. Like, just do it already, because you're kind of giving me anxiety here. But those are my thoughts. Uh, I feel like, so to I guess, all right, break down this question, does Coon display reckless confidence? Yes. Is it warranted? Yes. Uh, will it come back to haunt him? I don't know. Because <laughs> I feel like, I, I feel, so I, I feel like it's obvious that Kuhn is cocky. That is literally part of, that's written in his character. Sure, sure. Um, but I do think it's warranted. I think Kuhn is probably, I think he potentially, or uh, yeah, has the potential to be one of the smartest characters in this entire story. Um, and I think with that, combined with the reputation of the Kuhn family, um, puts him on a, you know, puts, you know, puts him in his head anyway, uh, on a pedestal. It makes him think like, well, I kind of, I'm the shit. Cause I, cause I think I am, you know what I mean? And I think it, it displays itself best in scenarios like the ones we got into with this chapter with the coin thing where it's like Kuhn is not, especially when we're talking about Kuhn dealing with somebody like Rachel, who he feels has personally wronged him and people he cares about versus somebody who I think is just a, enemy Kuhn has to overcome or, you know, whatever, where Kuhn is not just satisfied with, like, beating Rachel, right? He's not satisfied with, like, getting the win or getting the final blow in, you know, like, whatever, and putting her down for the game. No, he wants Rachel to know that the worst decision of her life was ever thinking that she could best him, was ever thinking that she could get one over on him or that she was smarter than him. Kuhn wants and takes just about every moment he can to make her realize this, that he, the, the only reason that she's alive, that the only reason that she has the opportunity to come at him again is because he let it happen. So, like, he loves having, especially, again, especially with a character like Rachel, I feel, this thing over her head of, like, no, no, this game only gets to keep playing because I said so. Whether it's, like, because I feel like, you know, I, I feel like they're, they're going to go back and forth, you know, I don't know, X amount of times, right? Let's just say before the story ends or, or before... Uh, you know, Rachel inevitably dies. Um, but I feel like, I, I feel like, unfortunately, we're, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I can't really, because I could, I could see a scenario where Kuhn's like, all right, this is getting old and pulls the trigger. But I, I feel like, I don't know, part of Kuhn loves that. He loves the, this, this idea that at, en- at every moment he can, he can torture her with the, not with the knowledge that like, He's just so much more capable of a per of a of a you know whether of a light bearer just of a person uh, in general than she is and like again this isn't to say that Kuhn is perfect because I do believe that this overconfidence in itself I mean innately is a character flaw right it's something it's one of Kuhn's greatest strengths is, is kind of the you know the strength is his weakness kind of deal um, but I guess like the will it haunt him thing comes back to like if he makes a mistake if he messes up like is it a fatal one is it one that's going to cost him his life is it one that's going to cost you know, somebody on his squad or whatever, one of their lives, or is it kind of going to be something that like just sets them back? You know what I mean? And so, cause I don't know, I guess in my mind, I'm like, if Rachel, if they have some sort of game altercation, whatever, and Rachel is the winner of that outcome, but like, it kind of just like ends up knocking Kuhn and or X people back a couple pegs. Like, I feel like that's a chance Kuhn would take as opposed to like, if it's something as, as ridiculous uh, or at least to Kuhn as like, do this, lose, and bam, dies. Or, you know what I mean? Like, where I think Kuhn, you know, and maybe this is a little bit too, again, to one of his faults, like, uh, uh, you know, places a lot of his his faith and his judgment in bam, um, and 
will go- almost, you know, throw away all of his sort of like more logical thinking when it comes to BAM, um, again, i.e. In, in sort of this episode. But it's like, I don't know. I, I, I want to say that like, I, I don't know. It's, it's really weird because like, I, I want to be like, like, yes, he's cocky and he needs to knock it off because like, that's not, you know, he shouldn't, you know, nobody should be that cocky and, and nobody's the smartest person ever. But I kind of also feel like part of the reason why Kuhn does beat out people and does win in scenarios is because of like the overwhelming confidence, which makes it look like he's always controlling the game and looks like he's always, he always has the rules in his hands, even if he doesn't, right? It's, it's kind of that whole like philosophy of bluffing, right? Where it's like somebody might look like they know exactly what's going on. They might not, but if you think they do, you sort of psychologically are that much less inclined to believe that you can beat them. And therefore it's a mindset thing. Then you lose, if you think you'll lose, you lose kind of thing. Hmm. So I guess uh, the way I want to start it is I want to start it the same way as you did. So break down the question. What was the first part? Well, like does, I'll, I'll give it the Kuhn answer. Does display reckless confidence? Yes. And then do you think the, it's warranted? Yes. So then going on to will it haunt him? For me, I draw the parallel of what one of you mentioned prior was that Rachel almost raised her worst nightmare. And I can very well see that Kuhn is raising his worst nightmare in the sense that Rachel, by all definition, isn't really going to outsmart Kuhn in a sense. However, I feel like he's really, with him really flashing himself and pretty much saying, I'm, you know, I'm the next top. Like, you'll never beat me. You'll never do it. Like, for the amount of times that he shows her how insignificant that she is, coincidingly, it's going to make her more desperate and willing to make, to dance with the devil and really make really bad decisions with people just to one-up Coon. And I feel like that is going to come back to haunt him in a sense because all he's doing is literally rubbing it in her face. And although I love nothing more than him doing that because it gives me all the happiness in my life, I really do think that in time it is going to make her be like, you know what, I am sick of this. F this guy, I don't care who I need to team up with, I am literally going to steamroll his ass. And I feel like that it might actually happen later on, and I feel like it's going to be at a very pivotal point in this story that is, A, going to be needed because Kuhn is on this pedestal where, you know, he is he is hot shit, you know, and he is overconfident, and that is what makes him look like he's controlling the game. However, we are well aware of his flaws, And in a sense, he is too. However, he hasn't overcome said flaws. And the only way he is going to be able to actually reflect on them and realize them and understand them, that's going to come with failure in the future. And I feel like without said failure, he isn't going to ever fix those flaws that he has. And I feel like SIU in some way, shape, or form has to address them. And he can't just have this character who wins every single scenario. Like There has to be a point where Kuhn gets humbled and then takes that scenario and becomes a better character and more of a powerhouse mm. and is able to adapt to more situations. Like, I think way back to with um, um, Han Sung, you know, with the door test and the fact that, you know, he was, like, really, like, flustering and didn't know what to do, and then he just had a rack, you know, bust through the door. And it's like, that's when, you know, you get the... That's when you first get the impression that Kuhn doesn't know all. He isn't the end-all, be-all. And although I want him to be... You know, he thinks that he is, and until he eats a humble sandwich, you know, he's going to continue the way he is continuing. And I do feel like that Rachel might actually, not by her own volition, but with said power of said outside source, they are going to come up with a way 
to outwit or outbeat him in a certain certain scenario, and he's gonna have to eat it and really learn from what happened and like realize that hey, you know, stuff can happen, especially if I account for it in any way. You know, there's ever like there there's always a weird variable with Rachel that I feel like she's just going to meet someone and it's going to be too much, you know? Yeah. And especially if he doesn't know for it, you know, Kuhn can only account for so much. And although I'm not discrediting how smart he is, he has come out of the most craziest situations just from his own intuition. But like, again, Rachel is so much of a wild card at this point that if you really push her to the brink, she will make a pact with anybody just to get what she wants. And like, that is what's scary for me and who she makes that deal with. How does that affect the team? And I feel like ultimately in Kuhn's case, it's going to come with a decision that he makes that turns awry and that somebody's going to die. And that is something that he's going to have to live with and bam together. And like, that is going to be like a point when they're going to have to grow from it in that scenario. So that is what I feel about it. And I love my boy Kuhn so much. <laughs> and I just, oh, but I, I can, I'm getting a whiff that it's going to be coming yeah. you know, down the line. Maybe not soon, but he, he's going to have to lose in some way. Like no, he can't sure. just be an undefeatable yeah. force. For no, I agree. And I and actually, if it's okay, I'd like to take another stab at this question because I didn't answer the second two parts and I just blatantly said the reckless confidence thing. Um, so displaying reckless confidence, like I said, yes. And for my reasons. Is it warranted or not? Uh, I'm actually, I actually say no. And the reason that I say no is because of the keyword in the first question that says reckless confidence. And I don't think reckless confidence is warranted. I think confidence is warranted for sure. But breaking the question down in the way it was worded, I don't think reckless confidence is really ever warranted, (laughs) um, to be honest. Um, in the sense, especially relating to Kuhn's character, that is my personal opinion, especially with the cards that he's been dealt. Yeah, I can see um, that argument. And for the sake of a story, it's warranted, right? For the sake of a story. But being that this is kind of what I do when I approach a lot of these questions, so it's in the frame of mind that I answer them, I'm relating to this to like the most pragmatic solutions mm-hmm. and relating this to like a real life scenario that it's like these lives are literally on the line. Like this is not just like, a st- like we need the story to progress, right? I'm thinking of it as like, okay, if we need to reach X goals, like what do we do to make that the most efficient way possible? And I personally think with that frame of mind that I don't think reckless confidence is warranted. I think that Kuhn's confidence and his somewhat cockiness um, definitely gives him an edge sometimes uh, in these games, like you had mentioned before, Isaiah, that like people might get in their own heads thinking that it's like they can't outsmart Kuhn when Kuhn might not have all the answers, you know, and because he's just so damn confident and or cocky and his ego is so large that it gives him this inflated sense like he's going to be the winner before this game was even decided. And that could really be a big deal, right, when he's going against people. So I think that's a useful tool to have so long as you know how to rein it in when needed. Um And it definitely gives him confidence in himself, like to make these plans and be like, I'm going to find a way or make one. Right. So I definitely like that. And like I said before, I think that's a big part of Kuhn's character and and it's cool, but I don't think the reckless confidence is warranted. And just to answer one more time about the, um, do we think it's going to bite him in the end? Um, yeah, like I said before, yes, but I, there's one thing I'd like to point out about Rachel and her character and the reason Something that took me by surprise when we were reading these chapters um, and another reason why I think that this is going to bite Kuhn at some point or another. And it's that Rachel is actually way more patient um, than I was willing to give her credit for. And I say that because, which can be a virtue, patience is a virtue, right? In that sense, um, in the sense that 
when we when she goes into the submarine again, or when she goes into the submarine, she comes to the third test, and Joaquin is really dude. Joaquin's burns are the best because he's just like, ugh, God, it's you again, right? Like they're hilarious. But I honestly, especially after this whole like, that's not fair. Like everything with Coon, I was led to believe that I'm like, oh, okay, she's gonna, she's gonna, she's. I think she's gonna do something to probably just like stab Joaquin in the back. Because, um, you know, like her ego has been bruised right here, right? And I think she does do that to an extent. Her ego is easily bruised. But I think that's a difference between patience and having mm-hmm. your ego bruised. It's it's a patience in the sense that I'm willing to wait for as long as I need to to get back at you, yeah. regardless of how ridiculous this grudge is or not. Yeah, I can endure um, that pain. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. to give it back to you when it's like, who did that help? No one, but here we are. Yeah. Um, but I thought the, the reason I think that, again, is because Joaquin calling her pathetic and all these kind of things. You see this, like, clenching fist from Rachel and you see it's like oh i'm thinking that it's like all right this is going to be the test like can she really take that ego that bruising ego is her is her ultimate mission or whatever the hell that is more important or is it just getting that expediency that in the moment like oh you took a stab at me like you think i'm useless we'll take this you know and um but she doesn't she doesn't do that and which to me came as a surprise and not only does she do that but she then relays again to coon what her you know, like mm-hmm. what the goal is like, this is where I'm going to be. This is actually what matters right now, um, which was definitely a little more of insight into her character. And if anything, Rachel is not incredibly, you know, or she's really good at faking it. She's not incredibly intelligent or at least not on Coon. Coon makes everyone look stupid. And uh, but she is incredibly uh, persistent and she's incredibly stubborn Mm -hmm. and she's incredibly resilient and resourceful in that way and she's incredibly patient and all of those things combined to me make it seem like at some point or another so long as she keeps that patience that resilience and that persistence that at some point whether it take a a thousand times or ten there is going to be some some sort of slip up um, from Kuhn and whether it's something that's incredibly relevant or if it's something that it's like a couple steps back. But I think Rachel biding this energy, storing this hatred, wanting to show Kuhn that she can do something is not going to let that opportunity slip through her fingers if it does present itself. I think that if she is really this much hellbent on a grudge against Kuhn and she's willing to go through that much shit from people that are like higher than her and call her garbage and all that kind of stuff and like be like, nope, this is this is the goal, that when and if Kuhn does slip, it's not, she's not just going to be like, oh, okay, that was a slip, but I didn't take advantage of it. Like yeah. she's going to pounce on that, oh, you know, in my personal opinion. So I think Kuhn better tread lightly when it comes to that and never underestimate anyone just as a general rule of thumb because you never know a thousand times you know at a one out of a thousand times that person that you never thought was going to pull some a rabbit out of a hat might just pull that rabbit out of a hat and that's when crazy things happen so i think the key word for me is if right like if rachel keeps that patience going if mm-hmm. she keeps that persistence if she keeps this tenacity um and like there's no guarantee that she does any of those things, any of those things could crumble at any point in the story. And I think for me, it's this line of like, okay, back is against the wall. Rachel stats, Coon stats. Neither one of them have any pluses. Like who's walking out of that room? And I think like, sure, there is something to be said for if she does keep all that stuff up. And if she does just sort of, you know, go the tortoise tactic of like waiting for, you know, t- you know, taking her time out and waiting for Coon to make a mistake. Um, but that implies that she can wait X amount of time. And I guess if that's, you know, I don't know, like, if that's a couple months, like, even a year, like, whatever. But, like, if that's a long time, 
I don't I don't believe that Rachel's the kind of character that can wait exponentially long for that kind of thing. Fair enough. I do. I think that yeah, being I mean, how petty she is yeah. and like how, you know, like there's it doesn't like she's so weak and everything personally and um that I think that if she has anything going for her, um, you know, it, it is that resiliency yeah. or that resourcefulness. I mean, think how long she pretended her legs were broken for. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, and that's the thing where it's like, I, don't, I feel like SIU wouldn't build her up in this sense and show us these things just to have it whitewashed later on. Like, the, I, I genuinely feel like there's a reason why she clenches her fist. There's a reason why she's biting her tongue. And that it is going to build up. Like, he just doesn't seem the, like the type of author that would just, like, double back on it and be like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, like, I feel like it's almost a given that it has to be a point in her character to have almost, like, a redemption part. Because yeah, you, you can't know? have nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Because, like, we rip on her a lot, and she is trash and terrible, and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. she's all these awful things. But it's like, <laughs> if you can't give her anything as a character, even if it's, like, well, I don't whatever, think, then it's like she literally will, do like, what, you know what I mean? What's the point of I don't having think her? That, I don't think that... First of all, I don't think that SIU is like writing Rachel's character away and then would just whisk it away. I think everything he's done is intentional and still leads into my point. Um, and I would give Rachel one point of confidence, and that's that she's resourceful. But you can only be resourceful so long as you have resources, right? When those resources run out, you find new ones, which is what she's done, is what I'm getting but at. Well, is also, like but that's assuming that those resources can be obtained. Yeah, my, my, yeah my but, but that's that like the Rachel's whole thing is she's skill. able to finagle her. Like, she's got Emily, like Emily, you know, like she is, that right, is like, so that is the thing is she is, Emily. but that's the point is it doesn't matter because she is such a snake that she is going to no matter what, find out a way to get an edge or at least try to. And eventually she is going to hit a gem that is going to give her that edge. And that's the point where I don't care if, you know, it's a matter of her finding something for me, she's going to find it because she has that resilience, that patience and that desire to reach her goal, to wait it out and find something that is going to get her there. And it doesn't matter who she needs to side with, who she needs to put a front on. She is going to do it to get what she wants to do because look at everything that she has sacrificed to get to where she is now. She is willing to literally X out everything and be the biggest bitch in the world, like for me, it's just a, it's not a matter of if; it's just when. Like, yeah, that's, I think I think the, the biggest thing is is that there there could there any scenario could happen, right? Like, she could be resourceful; she does all this, but there could be maybe she loses her patience, she snaps, right? Um, she has a fit of rage; it screws her whole thing. Maybe she's resourceful; she can't find anyone. Those are actually very plausible ways of happening. I guess all I'm saying is that knowing. Knowing what we know and that she does have the ability to do that, the more times that Kuhn lets her get away just to give give you another I gotcha is ever is that much more time each and every time he does it to give her the ability, even if it's a one percent chance, even if it's a one out of one hundred thousand percent chance, to have that chance. And that's what's scary to me, is that I personally feel as if like the fact you know what I mean? Like the fact that he's doing it like alludes to like you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we were supposed to think that in some way, shape, or form. Whether that comes to fruition or not um, is up in the air. We have no clue. But it definitely is interesting because it scares me, you know, because even if the chances are that slim, we know that Rachel, if anything, takes opportunities that she has and and takes the makes the most out of them. If it's the most scum way possible, whatever. So every time Kuhn lets her live for that extended period or lets her get away or be like, here's your coin for the next game when he didn't have to do that, every single time time he does that is giving her that modicum of a chance that sliver of a chance to actually be able to turn the tables and even if it's unlikely that doesn't make it impossible so I think that's where Kuhn 
has to watch his back in that in that regard. Just kill Rachel, marry Bam, and you know, leave room for me to slip in there. And obviously Kuhn can will live luxury on any floor because he was doing that before and we can live a happy life and we don't need to climb the tower anymore. So it's a win, 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 win. Bitch Wins. dies, we get money, I get Kuhn Bam, we're good. Throw in your Yuri's gotta be there in the pool party so uh, yes. what I'm saying we, we need this arc written yes. SIU if you're listening to me <laughs> match me with Kuhn Bam and Yuri and I will love you forever and the arc is called wins on wins on wins also honorable yes. shout out to Yuri's nuke fists um, that we didn't get to talk about in this but I just <laughs> I just want to say that was freaking awesome so oh, the hottest uh, thing ever. that yeah. was oh, that was amazing oh. but anyway folks this was a long one uh, today I hope you guys enjoyed it um, we certainly had some pretty heated discussions here so I think it was a good one uh, let us know what your thoughts were in the comments down below make sure you guys are liking subscribing hitting that notification bell and supporting us with all the links in our description but until next time thank you so much for watching hope you have a brilliant day or night and we'll catch you on the flip peace 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 Screaming out Bankai. We just some ghouls though. Who likes seeing parts fly?